The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. And this week, I'm joined by three of the best in the industry when it comes to dynasty and prospects. Got uh, Eric Cross, Jesse Roach, and Chris Clegg with me tonight. Uh, we're going to be doing a six-round, uh, four-person snaking first-year player draft mock, and it's going to only feature the players who were just drafted in uh, this week's 2023 MLB draft. Uh, we'll be treating this as if it's a Roto OBP Dynasty League. And uh, Eric Cross is up with the first pick. Uh, you can find Eric's work at, at patreon.com slash toolshed fantasy and at FTN, Rotoballer, and the Toolshed podcast. Eric, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, really appreciate it. And you are on the clock. Yeah, thanks for having me, James. I've been looking forward to this first uh, FYPD mock of the, the new cycle. So it's always very exciting. I did not want the number one pick, though. I wanted, I wanted number two. I did not want to have to make this decision. But uh, if I have to, I guess I will go. They're basically, these two are 1A and 1B for me. But I will go with Dylan Cruz, outfielder from LSU. And that fearsome LSU team that had just so much talent on it this year. You know, he slashed, he hit 426, 567, 713 this year. 18 home runs, 6 steals, 71 walks, the 46 strikeouts in 71 games. I mean, this guy is looks like a, a middle-of-the-order stud in the making. You know, hits for average. The contact skills are good. The approach is great. The power's there. Can run a little bit as well so he'll maybe be like a maybe be a guy that can flirt with double digit steals early in his career so to go along with obviously high average obp plenty of pops kind of like a five tool all around stud and the next guy's it was probably going number two here i'm assuming very very close but uh, i give the slight edge to dylan cruz right now very good and uh up with the second pick is jesse roach you can find Jesse's work at Baseball Prospectus and on the Tino podcast. Jesse, where are you going with the number two pick here? It's probably exactly who Eric expects. And, you know, I actually think that Cruz is number one in OBP formats. And if you're in like a sim-based format like score sheet, I think Cruz has a better chance to stick in center. So, And the obviously the obvious on-base skills. So I think he is still the number one in those formats as well. But my number two, who is my number one in standard formats, is Wyatt Langford. And 
the big key for me in standard formats and why he's now separated himself from Cruz, and I do think they're incredibly close, and I would not blame anyone for going either direction, is because he landed in Texas. Uh, Texas leads Major League Baseball in run production this year, and they have a loaded lineup that is almost all returning, and where they have a big hole is left field, where Langford plays. And right now, their starting left fielder is Robbie Grossman and Travis Jankowski. They've basically been splitting work over there with some time going to Ezekiel Duran. I don't think it's a long shot to say that Langford could arrive later this year for the stretch run. I could see him in September to see if they have something that could be used in the playoffs because this is a playoff caliber team. They are in position to be a playoff team. And if not September and if not the playoffs, I could see him being the opening day left fielder. I, I really do think that the timeline is that advanced here. And while Cruz is also on an advanced timeline, the Nationals don't have as much incentive to push him. And not that they won't because it's you never know with the Nationals. But, you know, he also is just not going to have the same supporting cast. I think just the fantasy production standpoint, if you're caring about run production and more immediate value, I think, goes to Langford. And Langford, in and of itself, even in a neutral setting, has a ton of upside. He has plus-plus power. It's huge power. It, the data is not as strong this year as it was last year. Last year's 90th percentile exit velocity was over 110 miles an hour, which is huge. It's crazy, even with metal bats. Uh, this year it was down. He started the year injured. He had a ruptured testicle, which is does not sound great. And understandably, he... The data was not as strong for Langford, but it's still very strong. He still had an excellent season. He has a more leveraged swing than Cruz, so I think there's a chance he gets to his power a bit more often in Cruz, especially over the fence. Uh, but I And he also has very good bat-to-ball ability. It's very clearly, I think, above average, at least at the college ranks, above average plate discipline. Not quite Cruz-level plate discipline, but I think there's a, there's been people have put plus grades on his hit tool. I'm not quite there, but it's a very good hit tool. I think he can be a guy who gives you 270 to 280 average with 30 to 35 home runs, maybe even 35 to 40 at peak with some steals because he is a good runner as well, just like Cruz. I think he can get you double-digit stolen bases. Uh, he's not the most instinctual runner or outfielder, so I don't think he's necessarily a guy who's going to give you 20, but I don't think he's, he's going to be a non-zero. So Wyatt Langford, I think, is, my my opinion, slam dunk outside of a few different formats where maybe I'd go a different direction, uh, but that's my pick. Yeah, a uh, testament to the quality of the top of this draft that White Langford went fourth overall. Uh, I am up with the third pick now. Uh, I think this is a pretty good spot to be. I think picking second or third is a good spot to be. Uh, I'm going to take Paul Skeens, uh, who obviously the Pirates took 1-1. One, one. Uh, Skeens tentatively will be my eighth ranked prospect on the upcoming update and the top pitcher on my top 400. Uh, you know, I think that's a very uh, bold call that white white Langford could be up this year. Um, I wouldn't yeah. completely rule out Skeens breaking into the rotation uh, on opening day with the pirates next year. Uh, just kind of given the incentives, if they think he's going to be up, uh, early they might as well break camp with him if he has a good spring i'm not really predicting that but uh just think he's going to be up within a calendar year if he stays healthy and the the health factor is really the only thing um it just adds a different element of risk there that isn't isn't really present with Cruz or langford but uh 
just a very easy call there at, at three to go with with Paul Skeens. Um, has velocity, has command, uh, really just kind of has everything I would want, um, barring or aside from a big league track record. So uh, Skeens was a pretty easy pick for me there at three. Um, let's go now to Chris Clegg. You were at the uh, the dreaded turn in this this exercise, the the four or five turn. Uh, let's hear who you're going to go with at, at fourth overall. Yeah, I think this is where you can kind of go multiple ways. Clear cut top three. I think you're going to see rankings kind of all over the board after the top three. And ultimately, I landed on Walker Jenkins at four for me in my ranking. So I'll take him here in the fourth spot. Um, looking at Jenkins, just definitely like a slugger's build at 6'3", 205, uh, 18-year-old prepster out of North Carolina. Uh, big power in the profile. His run times have actually ticked up this year, which is pretty interesting. It shows the kind of athlete that he is. Uh, good field to con- for contact. I think he's a potential 30 home run bat, like middle of the order kind of bat that we'll see. And the bat to ball skills show pretty strong. I also think he plays up in an OBP format as well. Obviously, it's a little harder to tell with uh, prep guys, but Pretty good bat to ball, good plate skills. So I'll bank on Walker Jenkins at four, knowing that there's a lot of ways you can go here. And uh, my fifth ranked guy, I kind of don't want to take because I kind of want to see where he falls to. But I'm just going to do it anyway because it's Chase Davis um, from Arizona, who had a big year. Uh, Davis made a lot of strides with his uh, hit tool and contact skills this year. I think there's still questions as to whether it'll stick or not. Uh, Power-wise, I think he can be close to what you get out of uh, Cruz and Langford. put up pretty similar exit velocity numbers. Uh, the 90th percentile, I was north of 108 miles an hour last year, made really good zone contact uh, right around 88% there. So, you know, there's the question marks of, does it translate? Like it was an awesome year. Like Davis worked his butt off to improve the contact. He cut his strikeout rate significantly. His 14.3% strikeout rate was actually lower than both Cruz and Langford while he did play in the Pac-12 versus the SEC. So uh, definitely difference in competition there. But it is interesting to, to kind of see the progression there. So Davis's kind of knock is I don't think he's going to be a threat on the base pass at all. I think he's going to be a slugger. Hopefully gives you a decent average in OBP, but he's not going to provide you any steals. So this is kind of the question mark where, where, do, where do you take him? Like I've currently got him slotted at fifth in the FIPD class, but that can certainly change as we see guys debut and what they do. So um, subject to change, I feel like the top three is chalk, but those are my four and five, so I'll just take them here. And we may get data on Davis if he gets assigned to low A out, yep. out of the gate, and that would with Wood, which I think is one of the big questions here because he struggled at the Cape before last year. But, I mean, how, many, how much of the swing changes and how much of the changes he had this past year were present when he was on the Cape? Who knows? All right. Yeah, I I, uh, I definitely randomized the draft order here, but um, happy we got kind of a shakeup there at the four or five turn. Uh, I'm going to go with Max Clark, um, you know, kind of a boring pick there at six. Uh, but I do think it's justifiable now to consider uh, college bats like a Chase Davis over uh, one or both of the, the prep outfielders. And I think it could be even more justifiable. Uh, I think like what we see over the next uh, six weeks or so will definitely kind of loom large in terms of how these uh, FYD 
FYPD preferences sort of crystallize. Um, but Clark, you know, I think he's going to be fairly quick to the majors uh, for a high school guy uh, up the middle. He's going to run. I think he's going to hit like 18 to 25 homers at peak, something like that. So uh, not a, not a monster power hitter, but you know, it could be a leadoff hitter, could hit second, could hit right next to Riley green for, for a good stretch of time. So uh, not really that worried about the landing spot. It's not a great park, but um, he'll be able to play a ton and he'll be able to hit really high in that lineup. So uh, don't mind getting Clark there at six. Uh, Jesse, who are you eyeing up here with the seventh overall pick? I was going to know, I think that Comerica might actually play to Clark's advantage given his speed and, you know, it's a huge triples park and he could get a lot of extra base hits, maybe not as many homers, but it could still work for him. Uh, my pick at seven, I really think that this is where things get really interesting in this draft class. And I think that you can go any number of ways beginning now. I do think there's a few players that I definitely have ahead of others. And um, since this is an OBP league, I think it does matter more in this range than it would in a standard five by five. And as such, I'm going with Matt Shaw, uh, who's a Maryland boy. I love Maryland. That's, uh, I didn't go to Maryland, but my parents did. So I'm always going to be a big Maryland supporter. Uh, He did not obviously play quite the, to the level of competition of a lot of other prospects, you know, being in the Big Ten. It's certainly a Power Five conference, and he does play good competition, but that's definitely a question. But this is the Cape Cod League MVP where he absolutely mashed on the Cape Cod. He's shown that he can hit with wood and hit against quality competition. He has a has a clean, you know, powerful short compact stroke. He's not a big guy, and he was announced as a shortstop by the Cubs. He's likely a long-term second baseman, but who knows with what the Cubs are building right here. We have Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner up the middle and under team control for a while. So it's really unclear where Shaw will end up fitting. And I think that is going to impact his ETA. And I think that in other formats, I'd probably prefer other players to Shaw because of that in particular. But I really love the power-speed combination here. I think that it's a clear potential 2020 hitter. Uh, He has really loud exit velocities for his size. His 90th percentile exit velocity is approaching 107 miles an hour. Uh, His is very good bat-to-ball ability, a solid plate approach, and he has a plus runner, and he knows how to use it on the bases. He's still 21 bases in, like, 36 games on the Cape, which is just wild. And, you know, he stole with Mar- he stole bases with Maryland. There's a long track record of running. Uh, so I really like it for standard 5 by for OBP 5x5 five five formats because I think he will get on base. He will walk. He will hit for power. He'll make contact. He'll do all the things you're looking for. Uh, there are some concerns about his swing and how that's going to necessarily play at the you know, major league level. I'm not as concerned. And I do think some small tweaks will rectify any issues here, but uh, yes, Matt Shaw and Maryland boy, go Terps. Nice. Yeah. I'm uh, a big fan of Matt Shaw as well. Um, Eric, I, I want to, I want to just pause actually right here uh, before Eric makes his two picks um, and just kind of get a read of the room. Uh, Would anyone have taken uh, Paul Skeens over either Cruz or Langford if they had the number two pick. In, in no. a points for in a points format, I consider it for sure. But outside of that, no, nah, I, 
I love schemes. Like, I agree with you, James. Like you mentioned, he's going to be your top pitching prospect. I tweeted the same thing the other day. I think he's with the, you know, uncertainty surrounding, you know, guys like Painter with Tiedemann and all the others that have graduated over the first half of the season. I think he is a, you know, strong candidate for number one spot or at, at, the, at, the, at the lowest, probably three, bare lowest. So, uh, love him. But, yeah, I, I love Cruz and Langford even more. It depends on whether you have Bobby Miller and Grayson Rodriguez graduate or not. Uh, you know, they yeah. don't have 50 over, they haven't eclipsed 50 innings yet. For me, they haven't graduated. I think it's really close with those three. But yeah, I mean, I think that I'm not really concerned about the fastball. I don't think it's going to mess this bats like it did in college. The type of shape it has, it's not conducive to bat missing. But I think it's still going to be a very effective pitch. You know, pitchers with comparable pitch shape and velocity as his fastball and, you know, release point, every, all the things you're looking for in this fastball, it's they still play as plus-plus. So it may not be a full 80-grade full pitch that misses tons of bats, but I think it's going to be still a very effective pitch, a, you know, elite pitch that is, that's going to be just – it's going to neutralize opposing hitters. I mean, what's really the – the thing that the standout pitch here is a slider in my mind. It's just ridiculous. It's basically if you took Brand Fott's slider and amped it up, that's what his slider is. I mean, I think it's a, a very clear seven, and I think it's going to miss a lot of bats. And then, would like where would you guys? So if we're all agreement in agreement that it's uh, Cruz Langford at least in some order in the majority of formats. Uh, <clears throat> I'm I'm tentatively having those guys slot in to my top five overall. Um, yep. Where are you guys at on Cruz and Langford in terms of where they slot into a, a top 100? Slotted in at seven and eight for me. So okay, yeah, could have gone higher, but it was just I don't know. Like I, I had Colton Kowser ahead just because he's up and playing. That was the only reason. But other than that, like I could have pushed. I feel like I could have pushed them up just a hair, but it was close. Yeah, f- five five and eight for me. So yeah, I'm right in that same range. I think they're likely likely slotting at two and three for me. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely you know it's it's kind of a wild time. It's a fun time, I think, to do uh, rankings updates. But um, that's that's good to know. And then uh, we obviously know Chris's answer to this. But uh, would any of you, or would would Jesse or Eric, would you have taken uh, a college bat over either Clark or uh, Jenkins? Uh, you know, I think that it's if you're going to take one, I think I can see the the avenue to taking Chase Davis in particular in OBP formats as well. Uh, I think I really like both Jenkins. I think Jenkins, in my mind, is the clear four, especially given where they've landed. Uh, I really like Clark in OBP, too, because I think that his he's going to walk. I think he has great plate approach. I mean, his strike level walk rate in his senior year, of course, it's high school. It's just absurd. It was like 60 to five or something, five, five strikeouts, like 60 walks, something like that. It was crazy. Uh, And he has a long track record of hitting and has huge speed. We've seen in first year player drafts, we've seen people underrate prospects like Clark. You know, these are players like Corbin Carroll, like Pete Crow Armstrong, that the question is surrounding their power, but professional organizations are able to coax power out and Detroit's done a much better job of developing prospects lately. You know, we've seen Colt Keith really take a step forward. You know, Riley green is coming into his own. So I don't mind the landing spot as much as maybe some do. Obviously Comerica's not great for home run power, but I don't think it's as impactful for someone like Clark who is more of like a gap to gap hitter anyway. Did you have any, anything to add there? No, yeah, I think uh, if I was, yeah, you know, I have 
Jenkins and Clark, four and five, respectively, in my rankings. But if I were to take an, a bat over them, it would be Davis, who I think is in that second tier. Obviously, my first tier, Cruz, Langford, Skeens. We kind of talked about that. My second tier is Jenkins, Clark, Davis. And, and I think those three are all very close. I, I love Jace Davis as well. And I already – I'm keeping track of these uh, picks on my own spreadsheet. And before Chris even talked, I already put in Jenkins and Davis, four or five. I just knew he was going there. Just, just from talking to him, obviously. And we've already had a, a, sh- a show about uh, FYPD so far. And But then I, I was interested to see where Jesse went. As I, again, I, I agree with what Jesse was saying about how that's when the draft really opens up. And that I actually had shot my number seven with uh, these next two guys are another little mini tier of sorts. So he made my next two picks easier. But, yeah, if, if any bat was going to be – over the, uh, the the high school duel there for me, it would have been Davis. And I think that Davis definitely would belong in this group uh, if you bought the improvements fully. Like if you bought these improvements fully, he 100% is a top 50 prospect. Yep. But I think that for me, I'm I need to see him hit with wood. I need to see the contact be you know more consistent. If he if it happens, if he comes out in his debut, even in a ball, if he comes out in a ball and hits with wood. I'm, he's going in the top 50 for me. He's going to be a, one of those guys who moves up. Yeah, I I think I'm probably the only one who would have gone Shaw over Davis uh, if faced with that decision. Um, but I – and it's really just kind of exactly what you said, Jesse. Like uh, I just have kind of 10 15% of me just kind of wants to see him do it in another setting other than his junior year in the Pac-12. But um, – and then what Shaw did – on the Cape is, is pretty compelling to me. Uh, but shot didn't face good competition really at, at Maryland either. And that's a hitter friendly park. So um, I definitely see that the case there for, for Davis as the, the third best college hitter. And that definitely seems like a kind of a forming consensus opinion out there. Um, okay. Uh, we're going to head to a quick break and then Eric cross will make picks eight and nine overall. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We know the weather can impact how far a ball can fly, but we never know what all the heat and humidity or cold air is really doing to the ball. Home Run Forecast Index gives us an easy way to determine how good or bad the air is for ball flight. The index is calculated by measuring stadium-specific weather conditions and is displayed on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being the most unfavorable for a good ball flight and 10 indicating the most favorable air. There is a strong correlation between the index and the number of runs scored per game and the number of home runs hit. Games that have the highest index, 10 for the whole game, average over 10 runs and 2.8 homers over the course of the year. An index is created for each game, so you can see what it will be at in any stadium and how the weather's influence might change over the course of the game as well as the wind direction. Right now, you can get access to the HRF premium site for only $5 a month and see what the index will look like for every hour of every game. Go to homerunforecast.com now to sign up. Okay, Eric, uh, after all that, you still have to make picks eight and nine. Uh, and it did sound like you have uh, the last two guys in a tier here for you. So where are you going to go? Yeah, thank, thanks, Jesse, for making my pick a little bit easier here. Is, I wasn't oh. sure where you were going to go. Like, you can go a million different ways at seven. You could probably go like probably seven, eight, nine players uh, at seven. So it's going to be fun to see like how that part of the uh, part of FYPD is going to shape up after that, that top six there. But I'm going to go Arjun Namala at uh, pick eight here. He's a guy that this might be a little high, and it might be a little high on both these guys. But every, t- every time I look at, you know, watch film on Namala, dig into more reports on him, I just like him even more. Like I heard uh, an evaluator the other day said that he had the most, one of the best, you know, batting practices in uh, infield defensive displays um, of any, of any drafty he's seen recently. So you know, this electric talent, you know, list that six one one seventy. I think he might even be an inch or two taller than that. Uh, he looks a little bit bigger than six one, but potential for a plus or even maybe even a tick above plus power. Uh, he's still kind of filling out that frame and has, definitely has some projection to add more. You know, he's a very good defender. You know, could be you know a plus defensive shortstop as well. So no real you know concerns about him moving off the position. And I don't think he'll grow. Like, I don't think he's gonna be like six four, six five, anything like that. Though who knows? I mean, he's, he's still only, only seventeen years old. We shall see. But just a big time power. He's a good athlete too, so I don't think he's gonna lose a lot of speed if he does kind of add some bulk to that frame. Uh, so I, I think he'll be at least probably a, a fifty grade runner, giving you you know twelve fifteen steals a year, maybe even more in this in this new environment. And um, obviously everyone's stealing bases these days. But you know this is a potential twenty five plus home run bat, maybe even thirty plus home runs. That I don't think that's out of the question. See how how the frame. Uh, develops over the next uh, you know few years as he makes his way up towards uh, Toronto. Uh, I think it's a pretty solid landing spot as well. I want to see what happens if he you know when he does get up there, what they do with him and Bo. But uh, that's still a few years out. But I just like the all run profile. Uh, as long as the hit total can be at least average, which I think it can be, I think he could be a, a very impactful fantasy player. So I will go Arjun Namala here at eight, and then number nine I will go with a collegiate bat since this is OBP. I think he moves up a couple spots in OBP for me at least. I'm gonna go Brock Wilkin from Wake Forest. This is a guy that had a walk rate over 20. percent 
uh, this past year at Wake Forest. 69 walks in 66 games. You know, nearly doubled his walk rate from the previous year. You know, cut the K rate down as well, which was nice to see. Had a 506 OBP, 31 home runs, and just 320 plate appearances. You know, I mentioned it on, on Toolshed the other day on our last episode that you know, I see a little bit of like Austin Riley in there. I think this could be a potential 30 plus home run thumper, you know, big run producing bat, guy that can get on base at a high clip. You know, there obviously are some concerns about, you know, the hit tool, where is the, where are the contact skills kind of wind up down the road. You know, he, he looked a bit better in that regard this past year. Uh, and Razy Haverage, a good 73 points, which was encouraging to see. So uh, I think if he can, you know, build on those gains and, you know, keep the key rate in check, you know, continue, you know, walking at a high clip, getting on base at a high clip like he has uh, over the last, past couple of years, especially this past year, uh, the, this spring, I think he's going to be, uh, a pretty impactful guy, especially in OBP format. So I will go Brock Wilkin here at nine. Loving this. we got a lot of offensive talent flying off the board. Uh, Jesse, where are you going to go with the 10th overall pick? You all note that Brett Sayer, when we initially exchanged lists before the major league draft, he had Arjun Namala at a five in his, on his Ooh, list. Oh boy. Wow. I was just like, I've got to talk red off a ledge here. Um, <laughs> I really like Namala, and Namala will be in our top ten. Uh, but you know, yeah, no, not not top five guys. Uh, but who knows? I guess he could come out uh, and just destroy things in a ball. And things might change. My pick, uh, since this is OBP, and again, I think it matters, especially in this range. You know, I think that it can get a little close, and I think certain players drop tiers because of OBP. Some jump tiers in OBP. Uh, this is actually squarely in my tier for this player, and I think he gets a slight boost in OVP, and that's Braden Taylor, uh, third baseman for the Rays. Uh, he, on my my rankings, he will be a 10th, uh, so it's basically right in line with my rankings, and again, I do think that he gets a boost in OVP formats. He has one of the best plate approaches in, in this entire college class. Uh, he has excellent plate discipline his chase rate is extremely low rarely chases uh, and he knows how to hunt the right pitches he's not the loudest tooled up guy so if you're chasing upside i wouldn't necessarily be going this route but he lands in a great developmental organization uh, i think that if you look at his surface numbers they they maybe don't they, they, they should pop. He hit 23 home runs at 14 stolen bases but a lot of that production came basically in a you know, latter two-thirds of the season and the beginning of the season he kind of struggled out the gate as he tried to tap into more of his power in games but then he kind of settled down starting around april and may and he took off and i really do believe in the bat there's great bat to ball ability there is power i think the power probably is firmly average but i do think he can get to maybe even a tad more in games because he barrels literally everything up uh he has a massive barrel rate i think it's like 25 percent. i don't have the number in front of me he i just really think that he's going to maximize his tool, sh- tool set i think he kind of reminds me of like jonathan india out of college uh He's going to probably be a third baseman. He was announced as a shortstop by the Rays. Uh, who who really knows? He is a pretty good athlete, but it's not like the biggest quick twitch type of player. But I do think there's potential to add some, have some stolen bases too. I mean, he's a basically an average runner, but he has a great track record of stealing. So some stolen bases, 20-ish home runs, solid, and a very good OBP. I think that that's what we can expect from Taylor at peak. And again, great organization too. Nice. Yeah. Um, I echo 
most of what you said there about Taylor. Uh, that leaves me with the 11th overall pick. Uh, we're in the third round now. Uh, I'm going to take Tommy Troy, um, who the Diamondbacks announced as a shortstop uh, out of Stanford. I think he can play uh, really all over the diamond, uh, could maybe even play some outfield. Um, I love that he had a, a 917 OPS and a 17% strikeout rate on the Cape last summer. Uh, you know, not the greatest uh, competition in the Pac 12 necessarily, but I mean, he hit 394, 478, 699, uh, 17 and 17. So uh, not not really a 30 homer guy or a 30 steal guy, but I, I could see him being someone who hits first or second and contributes across the board. Uh, and potentially moves fairly quickly to the big leagues. Um, so Tommy Troy for me. Uh, now we go to Clegg uh, with the 12th overall pick and last pick of the third round. Yeah, Troy was where I was going to. It feels like it's like he was kind of the clear guy left there for me at least. I'm going to go the pitching well and go the prep pitching well at that. Take Noble Meyer, who I really like and think has a chance to just be a really special arm if all clicks right. Really love uh, what the Marlins did in this draft, getting uh, Noble Meyer and Thomas White. Meyer's a six foot five righty, 185 pounds. Some projection on the frame, and he's already up to 98, like topping at 98 miles an hour, which is uh, pretty encouraging as well. Uh, really good slider. Love the shape on that pitch. It's one of the best uh, breaking balls in the class, I think. It's up to uh, 3,000 RPM. The changeup, solid. Uh, you didn't have to use it a lot as a prep arm because the fastball-slider combo was so good. And he goes to an org that just has developed elite changeups with a lot of guys. So I think that there stands to be a pretty good chance that uh, this changeup that's already pretty solid in the upper 80s could just develop even more with just a little bit of tweak here and there. So Noble Meyer, to me, is the second-best arm in this class, um, I think kind of in a, the next tier of arms, there's you can go with a couple other guys, but I like the upside here with Noble Meyer. So uh, that's my lean here. And then my next pick, it's where I'm kind of torn, but I'm going to go the highest person on my board. And that's uh, Aiden Miller, who is a third baseman that was fell to 27 in the Phillies, which I thought was a pretty big fall for him. But I really like the bat here. Uh, very just powerful athletic frame has shown a pretty good feel to hit big power. He likely sticks at third. He's got a pretty solid arm. So six foot two, two ten, like really good frame here. Good bat to ball. He's older for the class, which is one of the reasons why I think he dropped. He was 19 on draft day. So I think some, some organizations just completely write off like prep guys that are, are 19, but ultimately I really like what, Aiden Miller brings to the table here. You probably aren't getting much speed, but I think there's good power and good field to hit here. So the prep guys, like I just ended up on my top ranked guy there. So I'll take Aiden Miller. Nice. Yeah. That's a, that's a fun turn uh, going to the prep. Well, there after bypassing the prep double tap uh, with your first two picks. Uh, all right. I am back up at pick 14 and I'm going to take my second college pitcher, uh, Hurston Waldrop, 
who Atlanta selected with the 24th overall pick. Um, just really chasing upside here. I, you know, I could very easily see Waldrop just never making it as a starting pitcher in pro ball due to command issues, but uh, also kind of making a, a bit of a bet on Atlanta's abil- ability to, to uh, develop. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff that you would say about Waldrop, uh, you could have said about AJ Smith Shaver before the season, and uh, he just really had a breakout campaign. And I like that Waldrop seemed to be kind of um, peaking towards the end of the season. Uh, stuff looked really good. Um, albeit he did walk six guys in his last outing, but I like that he's kind of trending up. I like that he was doing it uh, against good competition and he's got a chance for three plus, or maybe even, you know, a couple double plus pitches. Um, so if Atlanta can fix his, uh, control, I think he could be the, the second best pitcher from this class. Um, and then that brings it to Jesse for pick 15. Yeah, I roster Waldrop in Highlander Dynasty Invitational. So I, I'm a big fan. Uh, I just really hope he, his stuff gets harnessed. <laughs> Do you know who I roster in the uh, I Highlander? Know, I know. <laughs> Mr. Wyatt Langford. Yeah, I was hoping he'd fall on that, but. I didn't have a first round pick, unfortunately. Clegg, uh, do you do you have any thoughts on that Waldrop pick? Quick, uh, I just I know you follow the Braves closely. Oh yeah, I love it. Um, I mean, obviously there's risk, but you look at the kind of arms that they've developed, and it's certainly a fit. And I think there's a chance at uh, four plus pitches here, honestly, with Waldrop if he throws them all enough. I mean, the splitter split change is absolutely nasty. I think the the fastball is plus, slider plus, and the curve's a pretty solid offering as well. And I think it. Flashes plus on occasion. So, yeah, I think if they – I don't even think his command control needs to be, like, great for him to succeed as a starting pitcher because the stuff's so good. Like, you can get away with average to slightly below average command. And this is just the kind of arm that they've developed and done really well with. So, I feel pretty good about his chances to be a starter. And the stuff is – I think the stuff is second best in the class next to Skeens pretty easily. His split change is ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's like 14 inches of movement, vertical movement off the fastball. It's yeah. wild. Um, all right, well, my pick, uh, a lot of players that I really like just went, and <laughs> I think that it, it does confuse things. But again, we're in OBP, so I'm going with a player who I really like in OBP formats. That's Nolan Shanuel. Uh He's a first-base prospect for the Angels, and – uh, first rounder by the Angels means he may be up next year. Uh, the, he, might, he might be up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the Angels don't have a first baseman. They don't. Uh, they have Mike Moustakis playing first base right now. Their uh, Jared Walsh uh, experiment failed. Uh, they just don't have anyone there. And I really think that they're going to push him. Whether that's wise, it's unclear. You know, he's not quite Zach Neto, who really did thrive on the Cape. He proved that he could hit quality pitching fairly consistently consistently despite being a smaller conference player shanuel while he did perform well against good pitching last year this spring he really struggled on the cape he was really bad on the cape so i think it's a real open question whether he's going to translate to more advanced arms with wooden bats Uh, but again i think the eta is going to be very advanced and if a lot of what he did last year is sticky 
my goodness, he has a very special bat. I mean, he has solid power. His, his 90th percentile exit velocity is over 106 miles an hour. And his bat-to-ball ability is among the best in this class. You know, a contact rate that approaches 90%. Zone contact rate that approaches 95%. Uh, just crazy bat-to-ball crazy play discipline too very much a discipline hitter he's going to draw tons of walks uh i will say that when i'm talking about all these stats we're talking about a lot of that's coming against more inferior competition and i'll just run down his slash line right now just because it's wild he hit 447 with a 615 on base percentage and an 868 slugging percentage with a 14 to 71 strikeout to walk ratio just truly wild video game like stats and you know, we obviously have to heavily discount, but I really do think he could be a player that comes quickly, that has a peak that looks like a 290 hitter with 20 plus home runs, maybe more power if they can coax more out of it in games. Uh, but, you know, if a lot of what we love about or have loved about Kyle Manzaro, I think we can say about Nolan Shanuel, he just hasn't necessarily proved it yet in the Myers. Yeah, and if anybody's like questioning whether he can hit against like good opponents, he had a three homer game against Florida, and between Florida and Miami, he hit seven of those home runs. So like he he performed against like good teams. So yeah. just throwing that out there. Yeah, I just think that the Cape performance over 155 plate appearances with Wood is so disastrous that I think it's really raising a lot raised a lot of red flags with people who need to see improvement with Wood. And like he had 200, 342, 272 on the Cape over 155 plate appearances, which isn't great. But yeah, I agree. He played, he performed against good quality competition when he faced it in the spring. Yeah, I think that that was a a classic Angels pick, but that doesn't mean he's not an extremely advanced hitter um okay eric over to you for the 16th and 17th overall pick yeah i, I was considering shenwell there i can see him in the obp format as well he was on the my short list here of players i was targeting uh so i'm gonna go to a very different player from shenwell and a guy that you know is a very different player from many in this draft and i'm not even sure if i love this pick but it's exciting i'll go enrique bradfield uh, this guy is absolutely electric in every sense of the word. He's only, the only prospect in this draft with 280 grades. He has defense and center field, which is great. I love the landing spot in Baltimore. Like, obviously, we know Baltimore has so much young talent, especially offensively. But like that one thing that they were kind of missing was like that that guy that can plug out there in center field. That guy can just go get it, and that's Bradfield. Like 80 grade speed, 80 grade defense, and, and solid hit tool as well. Like the contact skills are there. The OBP is there. I think he's a big, you know, leadoff hit hitter. Had more walks and strikeouts this past year. Had a 410 OBP uh, in 62 games for Vanderbilt. Got that could be, you know, in this day and age with his speed and he's he's efficient as well. I was only caught 13 times in 143 stolen base attempts in his three years uh, at, at Vanderbilt. So, uh, guy that with his speed, his efficiency in this day and age, and how you know stolen bases are now. 50 plus is definitely in, in play for a guy like this. That's sure. Ruiz. Yeah. I think, I think he's Ruiz with a, with better defense. <laughs> yeah. Better, yeah. Better defense. I, I think he could be a better bat. Like the, the bat's obviously the question. I, well, I think the contact skills can be decent and, and the OBP skills are good. You know, obviously where does the power end up? That's by far like the lowest grade he has. That's, you know, you see some 30 grades thrown his power. You know, he had six home runs last year, eight the year before that. So 15 overall, in 191 games, even if he does grow into a bit more power, you know, I don't, I think like the max, like best case scenario is what maybe gets up into the, 
12, 13, 14 range. But if he can just be a guy that can like flirt with double digits annually to go along with, you know, a decent OBP, he'll probably score a ton of runs, uh, being, you know, hopefully a leadoff type of hitter or a number two guy with all that speed. You know, that's a, a game changing type of uh, fantasy player that can really impact you. Uh, and then that stolen base column, but while also helping you out a little bit elsewhere as well. So uh, I will go with Bradfield here at pick 16. And then, I was having a hard time with my other pick here because that's hey, oh, oh, what, what before you, before you pick Eric, yeah. uh, I'll give you like 30 more seconds to think about that. But um, you know, as I was working on my updated rankings guys, like I really think the, the Baltimore collection of, position players might be the best I've ever seen. Um, like just ever really. Uh, so just they, they have <laughs> potential like cleanup hitters who might hit eight for them yeah. in a couple of years. <laughs> and so when you say like Enrique Bradfield, hopefully leads off or hits second to me, I'm it's just smart. like, he's not, ha- he's not doing that for that team. They're just, yeah, they're too not, good. Yeah. and I mean, yeah. it's not, it, it's, I think it's a good pick to take him there, but, um, like I'm just in awe of how many good young hitters they put together. And their draft this year was fantastic again. I mean, I just remember as the draft progressed for day two, day three, I was like, okay, these are players I like that are available. And the Orioles just like snap yep. them all up, including the arms. I just like, wow, they just hitting it out of the park again. And uh, just a great organization. Uh, and yeah, I think I do really like the Bradfield pick in a way. I was sour on him entering the draft, but where he landed – I think he has maybe the highest floor of any player in this class because he's going to play at some point because yep. the defense is so good that he's going to play. And, you know, the hit tool, he doesn't have to hit much to be a valuable major league player and even fancy player because he's going to run. So, I mean, if you like Estuary Ruiz, like I mentioned earlier, I really think that that's sort of what he could be with maybe more with a more upside. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. And, that, and that's kind of what I was thinking too, because obviously with, with the speed and that, and that defense, especially like center field defense being so valuable to a major league squad, that yeah, the the, the floor is, is pretty high here with yeah. Bradfield. And I, again, actually, I, I was kind of slotting him down a little bit down my rankings pre draft. And then he lands in Baltimore. I'm like, all right, let's get him back up a couple spots yeah. there. Yeah, love that landing spot as well. And yeah, James, great point there too. Like, yeah, he could have ended up hitting ninth because that Baltimore team is so loaded. Like, if they don't win a World Series, Within the next like you know five six years or so, or, or at least get the one. I, I, I don't know what's what's happening because that that team if, if they just go out and get it, you know if G Rock can be what he can be, and they go out and you know get an arm or two, whether it's this year or in the off season or whatever. Yeah, that team is going to be scary good for a long time. Uh, just adding to the the beast of the AL East here. Uh, so, but my pick, I'm going to actually another kind of exciting young team over in the National. I go to the Cincinnati Reds. I'll go Rhett Louder here who the Reds took at seven. And I think that was a great pick by Cincinnati. Like Chris and I talked about it on Toolshed and I think on the uh, Bleacher Report stream that we did during the first round on draft night that, you know, with Cincinnati, you know, kind of getting to that contention window pretty quickly here, you know, getting a guy like Louder that was is probably going to be one of the first arms up, you know, a guy that can slot in like, you know, behind their, you know, behind Lodolo and Green and Andrew Abbott and the guy that could help them win sooner than if they went with like a Noble Meyer or someone like that. So like the landing spot there. And I think he's probably one of the, you know, maybe the highest floor. He might even have a higher floor than Skeens. I think he's right up there. Doesn't have the upside of Skeens, but it's, it's a good three pitch mix. You know, got a plus change up kind of leading the way. 
and a very good command and control as well. Only had a 5% walk rate this past year and 6% for his entire you know, collegiate career. So he's going to be one of those high floor guys. And that's not kind of like taking away from the upside. There's some decent upside here as well you know, with Rhett Louder. I think he, he just screams a guy that's going to be a good like number three starter for a really long time. Guys probably have a long, long, successful career. And yeah, I think he's going to be a pretty you know, solid, impactful fantasy arm as well. So uh, I'll go Rhett Louder here and probably could see him up in the major leagues next year. He's a right-handed Nick Lodolo for the, for the Reds there, you know, yep. very similar pitch mix in a lot of ways. So yeah, I, I really like Louder. My in-laws are Wake for fans. They were at the College World Series for Wake. They got to see that epic showdown between Skeens and, and Louder. And nice. Of course it was, uh, didn't work out for them, but it was still <laughs> maybe maybe still next pretty, year. <laughs> maybe maybe. But uh, Wake does return a lot, and this is ten players drafted from Wake in this draft class. Um, and yeah, I guess it's my pick now. Yeah, yeah. All Over right, to Jesse for the eighteenth <laughs> overall pick. And okay, this is the fifth round, so second to last pick for Jesse. I am going to take the second player right now on my personal rankings because I want to talk about them. <laughs> that's how it's working here. And also because I really like this player. And that's Bryce Matthews, uh, shortstop prospect for the Houston Astros. Uh, I love the fit. I think that this is probably the perfect fit for him. This is the type of player the Astros love to target. He has huge power and speed potential. He was one of three players in Power 5 conferences that went 2020 last year. Exactly 2020, Bryce Matthews did. But the power is very real. Uh, he had he has a 90th percentile exit velocity last year of over 109 miles an hour, uh, which is right up there with the big power hitters in this class other than like Kemp Alderman, uh, who's just on another planet um but yeah and the speed is incredibly athletic it's a plus runner i think that these 2020 or better upside if he can hit and that's the open question you know he did not have the highest competition in college and i do think that it's great fit this organization and his athleticism is a match made in heaven and i hope that they can coax enough out of him that he gets to at least a four in his hit tool and maybe if he approaches a five He's a mon- he'll be a monster. Uh, I really love it, and uh, he gives me like George Springer type feels as a as a pick that people overlooked at the time that I think is going to look really good. Maybe even just just as soon as the season's over. Love very it. very nice. I love found it, love that it. Uh, compelling argument for for Bryce Matthews there. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great fit, and they you know he's kind of like. Uh, what I always hoped Pedro Leon would be, um, but uh, maybe maybe he could actually pull it off. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, I'm up with the 19th pick, and I think this is kind of a uh, you know it's turning into sort of get your guy territory. Um, so I'm going to take Sammy Stafura, uh, shortstop that the Reds took in the second round. Uh, Athletically, I think he pops maybe even more than than any of the other prep shortstops, at least from the the video I've seen. And uh, you know, there are some hit tool concerns, but I just I like betting on this caliber of athlete in this area of an FYPD. And you know, the Reds seem to really know what they're doing in terms of developing uh, position players and and targeting position players and. 
that could be a crowded situation as well, but he's Stafford is at least four years away. So not too concerned about that. Um, I could see, you know, 2020, maybe even 25, 25 potential uh, just kind of hinges on that hit tool. So um, now we can throw it over to Clegg for a pair of picks, his final two picks. Well, I was hoping that Bryce Matthews would be my last pick. I, I love him. I'm glad you've got another fan because I think the, the analytical fit is perfect. Like the oh, dude's yeah. data matches exactly what Houston wants to do. And I think he's going to really take off. Uh, I feel like I have to be a little risky here because I don't feel like there's many, too many safe options left at this point. Of, that Who's I the Roman, Roman Anthony of this draft class, Chris? Well, <laughs> uh, take notes, right? Yeah. So uh, the I'll, I'll throw my sleeper in for the second one but i'll go uh colin halk with my first pick here just a really gifted athlete three-star quarterback like recruited to play like sec football shows you what kind of athlete that you're looking at here fell to just gifted to the mets in the comp round which was a, a bit of a surprise to me because the talent here he's got you know really good bat speed i think the power will definitely evolve and develop because we're talking about somebody that spent a lot of time splitting between sports. I mean, putting a lot of time in his craft for football and baseball. And now you get to see him fully focus on baseball. I think that he could really take off. I still think there's some room to put on a little more in his 6'2", 190 frame. Looks like he could add a little weight and a little more power, but he's already shown to have uh, pretty good power on the showcase, good gap-to-gap power right now, which I like. And I think that a good athlete like this can really develop into more of a home-run type hitter. Obviously, he's a good runner, considering he's a good athlete, above average plus run times, uh, really good field to hit. And he showed a good field to hit breaking balls too. So um, I'm really in on Colin Houck here. I think that he's one that really, could really take off and might be a bit underrated in this FYPD class if all develops right. So um, I'm going that way. Uh, my next guy, like he may not be like my next highest on the board, but I'll just take the shot at because I really like him. And that's uh, Nazan Zantello, who the Red Sox took uh, later in the draft. I have him uh, 28th ranked in the FYPD class, but I do think that just researching more and more that that may move up a bit because I feel like this is a kind of a, a sneaky pick here with what uh, Zantello brings to the table. He's a really gifted athlete as well, which is something that I look for more and more now when I'm just looking for really good athletes. He checks all the boxes. Uh, Loden Sports does a phenomenal job with athletic testing, and he, he rated as one of their best athletes. And so that sticks out to me uh, first and foremost. Shows really good developing power, good speed. He's 6'2", 190, just a very athletic frame. And I think that there's a blossoming power here. Doesn't chase that often. Didn't chase much on the, sh- the showcase circuit. Kind of effortless power when you watch him swing. So he's one that I think may really tick up boards, but I'm just going to kind of be in on, kind of young for the class. But if the hit tool comes along, it'll be the biggest thing for him, kind of seeing what the hit tool looks like. Uh, but Nazan Zantello is my last pick. Yeah, a lot of a lot of prep shortstops in this class. And I oh, don't yeah. You know, I think uh, Arjun Namala is kind of the de facto top guy, uh, and that got proven out here in this mock. But uh, you could even kind of count Aiden Miller 
as a, as a prep shortstop, even though he might move to third, like there's just so many of them. So many kind of just pick your, pick your flavor. It's like a great year. I mean, obviously an early pick's great, but you know, maybe you avoid that like middle range between, you know, eight and 15. And then you just load up on these prep shortstops and try and hit, start gold because I think it's just, yeah, I, I love them. There's so many of them. <laughs> Okay, so I have my final pick, uh, the 22nd pick. Um, I, I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna take the the aforementioned Kemp Alderman. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't really expect him to hit enough, but uh, I think there's at least a chance. I think he, he's improved enough uh, recently where where it's in play and. You know, it's it's kind of uh, Kyle Schwarber type of vibes to me. Uh, if it were to just all pan out, and uh, of course the Marlins have never developed anyone like this before, um, so I don't. Payne Burdick, Burdick is kind of <laughs> like been my weird comp for him. Yeah, I mean, like, does that does that count as them developing? Like, has Peyton Burdick been developed? Um, <laughs> no, not, not fully, no. But <laughs> not, I think Kemp Alderman's like a, an alien, though. He's like way off on way different than all these other guys. It's hard to comp him to anybody. Yeah. And so like maybe, you know, maybe he even has catcher eligibility some of these years. Like you just don't really know, but uh, just kind of throwing a dart. I I don't have a ton of uh, college hitting. Um, So, you know, that is kind of a a place I like to go if I'm not in love with the other options, but um, high risk. I think there's a decent amount of, of reward just because of the extreme power that Kemp Alderman brings to the table. Um, so that brings it to Jesse for pick 23. The yeah, Alderman's also slightly young for the college class too. So, you know, maybe there's untapped stuff, but yeah, what he did in the MLB draft combine was just bananas. And obviously what he did in his college season was crazy. I just, the power is through the roof. Um, yeah. My final pick. Uh, I'm going to go with a prep shortstop because I've got to get a piece of this ridiculous don't, don't, group. Don't snipe me. Don't snipe me here. <laughs> There's so many, look, Eric, there are so many other ones to choose from. If I'm sniping you, I'm sorry, but there you'll have another great choice. But uh, I'm going to go with Walker Martin. Uh, it's yep. upside, upside, sorry. Uh, well, Martin was linked to the Giants pre-draft fairly heavily. And I think a lot of people thought he might go at 16th overall. He ended up falling to them at 52. I'm sure there's a very big handshake over slot deal there uh, in place. He had the most home runs of any high school player in the entire country. He had 20 home runs in like 29 games. Uh, it's just crazy. Uh, obviously, it was in Colorado against more inferior competition. Uh, I think it's a smaller part too. So, you know, I think we can take that with a heavy grain of salt, the home run production. But the power is very real. He's an elite athlete. I think you mentioned Loden Sports. I think his Loden score was like a nine. Uh, so one of the highest Loden scores in this entire class. Uh, and I really think the power potential is huge. I think there's untapped upside here with his bat too. I think that the hit tool could improve to the point uh, that it's at least average. And I think they can get to potential plus power in time. And there's even some speed too. So, you know, I, I think that because of where he, his, he's located, that's, you know, dings him in a lot of people's eyes and there isn't as much exposure in a lot of ways. But I really like him. I know that he's probably Jeff Ponce's boy. I think Jeff is 
one of the highest on him out there. Uh, so if you're going to make a stab at this this prep class, which again, there's so many great ones, and they've, a lot of them already been picked, I think Martin's a great one to try and step to take a flyer on here because of the upside. I'm not really sure how I missed him. Eric texted me. He was like, why didn't you take Walker Martin? I have Martin top 10, and somehow I missed him. I just scrolled by him. And, and I knew, and I knew that. That's why I texted texted Clegg, and I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm like looking at my spreadsheet. I'm like, did I not mark down that pick yeah. or something? That's a great pick. I would have taken him earlier, but somehow I just scrolled past him. Like I'm just looking at my write up. So obviously, I don't have my like actual list. But yeah, I agree. He's a stud. At, he was a ten loading actually. Oh, ten. There you go. Yep. Three time state champion quarterback. Like he's a dude. Good pick. Right here. Great pick. Uh, now we go to Cross for the final pick. Number twenty. All right. Since Jesse sniped me there, um, after after Clegg forgot about his boy, uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm actually going to go to the college realm here, and I know I'm going to have this guy higher than basically everybody else in FYPD rankings, and I don't even think he doesn't play up in this format. He doesn't play down either. Kind of it's like a, a net, net, you know, neutral in this format. But I love this guy. I'm going Jack Hurley from Virginia Tech. I mean, this is a guy I'm, I'm going to get a lot of shares of uh, in FYPDs because. You know, obviously, sometimes the actual draft slot of these players kind of affects, you know, where they go or at least to, to a certain degree. I don't, you know, you shouldn't let it affect that, but it does. It bleeds in. So, you know, whether it be, you know, a guy going really high in the draft or, or lower, uh, Hurley went 80 to Arizona because they need more outfield prospects, apparently. But uh, I like Hurley. You know, he was a guy from uh, Virginia Tech, three-year guy there, uh, hit slash 320, 414, 714. This past year in 45 games, had 17 home runs in those 45 games. Only four steals, uh, but I think he's an above-average runner. I think there's above-average power there as well. Maybe even gets to plus at some point. Um, and even if he's just around an average hit tool, like, you know, a 50 hit, 55 you know, or so power, 55 speed type of guy, I think that's, that's going to play. And I, I like the landing spot with Arizona. We'll see how that you know, kind of shakes out when he's a couple of years from now when he's getting closer to the major league level. But I like the talent. He's not, not going to be a guy that wows you. Not going to be a guy that stands out really in any one area. But and just do a lot of things well across the board and be a, a well-rounded fantasy player. So I'll close out with Jack Hurley. All right, was, we got. Oh, sorry. Got, I'll just brief comment here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was writing up Gino Groover, uh, and I was just thinking that. You know, it maybe makes sense to target Arizona in a lot of, for a lot of reasons, partly because Arizona, they do a good job of developing prospects lately, yep. but double A Amarillo and triple A Reno are massive <laughs> hitters parks. And you're seeing players like Ryan Bliss hit for monster power there. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine someone like Groover or Hurley. And when they get there, my goodness, yep. I mean, I think that it's going to be very forgiving. And a lot, a lot of what we do in fantasy in dynasty is get prospects to flip them for major league assets. And I think targeting these Arizona college players is a good avenue to go on if you're trying to flip them in like a year. Because I think that they will be players who destroy a ball and continue to find success in double A because of the friendly confines. Yeah, I think that that's uh, always good to point out. Um, Extreme hitters parks like I, I've been sort of thinking the same way about Cole Carrig with the Rockies. Like, could he steal 50 bases in a minor league se- season as a catcher? Like, maybe. Um, so uh, they let to, they let Romo run. So yeah, good good to think about the, the team context with stuff like that. Um, 
so we got the 24 picks in the book. I thought we could quickly go around the horn, uh, see if you guys have any takeaways, um, just kind of in terms of this, this first year player draft class as a whole. Uh, and then maybe uh, any players you were surprised not to get selected. Um, you want to start Clegg? Uh, let's see. Player I'm surprised didn't get taken. I like Thomas White a lot. So he's one like he's in that kind of second tier of arms for me. I think there's a ton of upside with Thomas White. Um, yeah, we had, we had four four total pitchers went in this. Yeah, Skeens went, um, Noble Meyer, Hurston Waldrop, and Rhett Louder were the only four pitchers who went in 24 picks. Yep, and I think there was only, what, five in the first round of the actual draft, so. Five, uh, five and a half. If you yeah, that's true, yeah, Eldridge. Yep. I think the class as a whole is pretty deep. I, I really do. I kind of echo, with, if you don't have a top three pick, I would be fine trading – uh, mid to late first for multiple picks later because I do think the the talents there to bet on are there some safer options in the mid first round yeah sure but there's players that could certainly take off and and be worth a pick so that's gonna be my kind of generic strategy is to acquire as many like throw in picks as you can sometimes you can just get second round third round just thrown in deals like to get something done and I think there's a lot of value in that this year because there's a lot of guys I like up and down the board. So uh, I would say, yeah, they're really the only player I was surprised not taking Thomas White, but against a pitcher, it's FYPD, so a little bit different. Otherwise, pretty similar following my rankings, so at least from the guys that went. Jesse, what, do you, what about you? Any Anything stand out about this class or just the, the nature of the way these picks fell? I mean, I think the the more I get to know this class, which I've gotten to know very well, and I over the last like month, uh, the more I love it. I mean, it's the hitting side of this class is wild. It's wild, and we talked about the prep shortstops that's so deep here. We talk about this, and we didn't even get to draft a lot of the very exciting ones like Cole Emerson, George Lombard, uh, Kevin McGonagall. Uh, there's just so many. Uh, that goes, Ty goes, I like Ty Pete. Yeah, Ty Pete. Like, there's just so many uh, prep shortstops in this class. It's so exciting. I think that it's a very good draft class to have second, third round picks. If you're in a 30 teamer, you know, any first round pick is going to be uh, awesome in a 30 teamer this year. And, you know, this is, we're talking about this class even before we get internationals because we're going to have Yamamoto entering this class likely and, and, and Lee as well. And all of a sudden it gets even stronger. And I mean, there may even be more that we aren't really thinking about right now. So, man, this is a great year to have picks uh, in terms of players that I was surprised were not picked. Uh, I will say that I'm surprised, but not surprised given the room. <laughs> uh, but like Jacob Gonzalez and Kyle Teal, I imagine that they end up getting selected fairly high, higher than they probably ought to be selected in my mind in most first-year player drafts. There are two players I'm generally avoiding. Uh, I I think I think that they, with Gonzalez, I think his power is overstated because I just don't think there's a ton of power. The swing's not great. And with Teal, I mean, he's a college catcher, and I just question where the game, if there's going to be massive game impact with Teal as well. Uh, I do think he'll move fairly quickly, I imagine, for a catcher, given that the Red Sox need one uh, at the major league level pretty badly. So I think in some formats, if you're like a two-catcher format, I still really do like 
Teal, and I like these prep catchers as well, of uh, Velasquez and Mitchell, um, into catcher formats. But generally, I will avoid catchers in all other formats uh, because they take forever. Uh, and they're really risky. But yeah, uh, I was not ter- terribly surprised by the picks in this draft. I think you all are, you know, do great work and you know your stuff. Uh, I, with Kyle Teal, I'm right there with you. I do think it was the perfect landing spot going to Boston. So I, I'm higher on Teal than I would have been if he'd just gotten to a random team. But yeah, me too. Um, all right, Eric, uh, what about you? Any Any final thoughts? Any thoughts about the class? Yeah, no, I echo a lot, a lot of what you know, Chris and, and Jesse just said. You know, it's a very, it's it's a really fun draft draft class. Obviously, it's a lot of hitting hitter heavy at the top. So, but you know, once you get in like you know thirty five to like sixty five or so range, kind of like fifty give or take. There's there's a lot of talented pitchers down there as well. So it, this is a draft where I'll I'll probably load up on hitting early, which I usually do anyway. But uh, even more so this year, then maybe I'll grab you know a couple of arms back there, see if see if something sticks. Maybe go with an upside guy like like a Josh Noth who went to Milwaukee, which is a great fit there. You know, some some guys like that. Maybe I'll take I'll take a, a stab on in the middle rounds. But yeah, I, I wasn't really, I won't say I was surprised to not see anybody go. There were a few players I was just intrigued to see if they would go, like Jacob Gonzalez. Um, I, I didn't think Dolander would go just going to Colorado, but. He's a guy that's just interested to see where he falls in general. Where does and everyone have him? Uh, I have uh, right now. I, I keep moving him down every every couple. He's of days. way down for me. I, I have him at thirty two right now. I keep moving him down like a few spots every time I look. Yeah, he was he wasn't in my top fifty. Yeah, I have him at forty nine right now. Um, partly because Brett says he has to be in the top fifty. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine. He'll be at forty nine. <laughs> right. Do you yeah. like uh, Jacob Wilson or Jacob Gonzalez better? I like Gonzalez better personally, yeah, I um, especially in OBP, because I think Wilson's going to play down OBP. I mentioned this to Jeff, uh, that I think Wilson's sort of like Nico Horner if he didn't run. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I think that's uh... – yeah. It's just such a weird I, – I, I said this when I was on Welsh's pod. Like, I think the, the players – that went six through 10 in the real draft, Wilson, Louder, Mitchell, Dolander, Meyer on average, probably don't go top 10. And none, like none of those probably have a top 10, like first year player draft ADP, which is just kind of wild. Yeah, I do. I like, you know, Chris mentioned, I do like Meyer and I love the fit. I love the fit for Meyer. Uh, that slider he has is wicked. And I think it's, he reminds me of a lot of uh, Jackson Job uh, personally. Uh, I think the, but he lands in a much better spot. So, like, if that ha- if we rewound a couple of years ago and did that draft, or a year ago, did that traffic over again and put him in Miami, Joe in Miami, this could be what Meyer is. And I, I really like the fit. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a weird area. And this is always important in first-year player drafts. Do not pay too much attention to draft position. Uh, major league teams have different they don't care about fancy. <laughs> that might be more true in this class than any class I can recall where you just, you have to kind of go all over the place with mm-hmm. your first year player draft. Like, um, yeah. Uh, how about we go quickly? Uh, you guys let people know where they can find you and uh, what you've been working on lately. Uh, we start with you, uh, Eric. 
Yeah. All right. Thanks for having me, James. This was a lot of fun. Nice little exercise here with a sharp room. You find me on Twitter at EricCross04. Obviously, my all my work over on my Patreon, Toolshed Fantasy, which is linked in my bio on Twitter, and obviously over at Rotoballer and FTN Fantasy as well, and the Toolshed Podcast every week with Mr. Chris Clegg. Awesome. Chris, what about you? All my work, written work now is at the DynastyDugout.com. Rankings, all that stuff. Been doing work on FPD, FYPD write-ups. This was perfect for that. Uh, slotting in these guys in prospect and dynasty rankings. Trying to do write-ups pretty much every day covering uh, minor leagues, what happened, what you need to know for fantasy, and then the, the tool shed pod as well. And everything goes to uh, Twitter as well at Roto Clegg. And Jesse. I will say, you know, what you two are doing, Eric and Chris, is awesome. Love what you're doing after fan tracks. Uh, it's very cool. Uh, very you. cool stuff. And I get a little jealous sometimes. <laughs> hey, you're, doing, you're doing great work, Jesse, yeah. too, Jesse. <laughs> Great well, you can find me over at Baseball Prospectus. Uh, I will put out weekly columns right now. We have the top 50, well, top 100 uh, first-year players from this draft class scheduled for Friday, and I've written up a lot, way too many. <laughs> and uh, then I'll be updating the top 500 dynasty prospects next week on J- July 21st, which will include all the new draftees and a ton of graduations and movement all around the rankings. I'm sure you all are enjoying the changes in these rankings. And finally, oh, Royce yeah. Lewis has graduated. <laughs> and uh, we no longer have to rank him. Not that it's uh-huh. a bad thing to rank Royce Lewis, but uh, he's graduated. Yay. Uh, but I'm also doing the Tino podcast. There is no off season, And it's not necessarily a weekly podcast, but I try and get out episodes as much as possible. Uh, we'll be doing another episode in the next week or two on this draft class and sort of just a fantasy fallout of the major league draft. Awesome stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's possible, but I'd love it if Joey Ortiz and Matt Mervis could graduate before uh, <laughs> the next the rankings are due. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll have my rankings uh, updated before the end of the month. Uh, really appreciate you guys stopping by and, and helping me do this. Uh, definitely support everything that uh, Eric and Jesse and Chris are doing. Uh, really appreciate everyone for, for tuning in. Uh, this has been the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. I'll be back uh, next week.